This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Jason Burns and Access Church in Lakeland, Florida. For more information, visit access.tv. Oh, good morning, Access Church. Uh, I got to start by just saying I love this church. I love Access. Come on. Listen, if I didn't go to church here, I'd go to church here. You know what I'm saying? Uh, secondly, I got to tell you, I love Jason Burns. I love Jason and Liz Burns are hands down some of the best pastors on the planet. We are extremely, extremely blessed. He said a lot of really kind things about me and not out of obligation, simply out of affection for them. I got to tell you, they are some of the most generous, compassionate, kind and character filled individuals that I have ever met. And we are extremely blessed. If you're a guest and you're joining us this weekend, you're like, this is really good that you guys are talking about this guy. But like, what happened? Is he still alive? Is he around? Yes. Listen, Pastor Jason and Liz, they are on a sabbatical. And here's the way I think of a sabbatical. A sabbatical is simply rest for our soul rest for our soul. And there's a couple of reasons I'm really proud that our friends, our pastors are taking the season of rest. Well, number one is because I believe in a season of rest, it allows them to dream bigger dreams, dream bigger dreams. Listen, you have not taken your foot off the gas though. In their absence during this season of sabbatical, you've ran an incredible kids camp where hundreds of kids heard about the love of Jesus. You've sent dozens of kids to middle school and high school camp. Uh, you did a grocery bag deal where you shopped for those in need and, and then 45 people to Honduras. If God's already doing that, can you imagine what God is speaking to the heart of our pastors about the vision for what's ahead? That's one reason that I love it. Yeah, you can clap. I'm excited too. The second reason, the second reason I love it is because we know now more than ever that when pastors take time to rest, it's so good for them and their family. In this season, in this culture that we find ourselves in this church, I'm thankful for character-filled pastors who will step away for a season, not out of need, but out of obedience to the Holy Spirit to prepare them for what's ahead. So we are blessed at Access Church with pastors Jason and Lisa Burns. Okay, my name's James. My wife and I are the campus pastors at Southeastern University. We have two kids. We love them so much we named them. Their names are Braxton, he's eight years old, and Grayson, he's five years old. They're actually a part of our online community today because they're in Louisiana. So would you help me welcome everyone who's joining us online today at access.tv. Okay, so I gotta tell you at first when Pastor Jason invited me to be a part of summer school, I was like, nah, I spent the last 36 years avoiding summer school. I'm not doing it. But I have thoroughly enjoyed this series. All of our pastors have brought such challenging and encouraging words. And they've been looking at some of the wisdom from this pastor apostle named Paul in the New Testament, the second half of scripture. Today, I want to talk about a recipe for hope. You can write that in your outline, a recipe for hope. Now, listen, this is the reason that a recipe is important. Have you ever gone to a restaurant and you ordered something and you had this experience and you were like, best restaurant, best meal of my life. Anybody ever had that experience? Just wave my hand. I promise you won't get in trouble for raising your hand. Just, okay. Several of us 
Listen, I had this experience. I was on a business trip. I had gone out to this place. It was amazing. I had one of the best steaks that I've ever had in my life. And I had ordered it on the menu because it sounded cool. It was gargonzola crusted steak. <laughs> I didn't even know what it meant, but boy, it sounded delicious, right? I was like, yeah, it has one of my favorite words, uh, steak, in it, so I'm going to order it. Um, so then I decided when I come back to town, I'm going to take my wife on a date. Now, for any of you who are married and maybe you have kids, you're in a busy season of your life, you know, when you finally make time for a date night, you want to make time for the best date night. And so I've decided I'm going to go back to that same restaurant, but, but this one's different. That one was in Dallas. This one's in Tampa. It's okay. It'll be great to be the same. I go there and I get ready to order the gargonzola crusted steak and it is not the same. Why? Oh, because... Somebody didn't follow the recipe. And I think when we look at this idea of hope, nobody in the room's like, boo, hope's a bad idea, right? Most of us are like, yeah, our world could use more hope. My family could use more hope. Hey, James, I could use more hope. But if we're not careful, we'll lean into old recipes thinking we'll find new rewards. What do I mean by that? I mean, if we're not careful, we follow an internal recipe for hope. That's one of the cultural myths that we can lean into. If I feel happy, if I feel comfortable, if I feel blank, then I will be hopeful. And the problem is I cannot control my internal world. And then number two, we could say, okay, I have a recipe for hope. It's external. Okay, well, what does that look like, James? I'm glad you asked. Number one, it could be, oh, it's the economy. If the economy is good, if, if gas prices stay super low, <laughs> if, the right, if the right politicians are in place, if I have the right career education, you and I are tempted to lean into external or internal recipes for hope, but neither of which can we control. And if we're honest, we're always getting a different reward when we follow those recipes. What would it look like if we engaged with scriptures, if we engaged with this book, this sacred text that gives us not only meaning and hope for today, but also gives us meaning and hope for a better future tomorrow. See, I really believe that not an internal or external recipe, but an eternal recipe is what we need most. Now, I want you to fill this out in your outline. To get the product that we want, we have to submit to the process we need. Everybody say process. Okay, it was about 32% of you, okay? Everybody say process. It's so much better. Okay, so process. If I want the product of hope, I have to follow the recipe or the process. And most of us, if we're honest, we treat this like an ugly word. We don't want process. Process, no. I like instant coffee. I like instant delivery. I like Prime on my Amazon, right? We don't like process. But there's something about process that helps us understand how to continually get the same product. I don't want hope once. I want to live a hope-filled life. What does it look like to lean into that eternal recipe? Paul writes to an early church that's in Rome. And the early Christians in Rome had formed this body of believers. And they were facing some tensions and troubles. Their external circumstances weren't what they would have chosen. They're not only facing opposition from the Roman Empire, but also from some in the Jewish community as they believed that they were following the wrong way. So this early group of believers 
clings to this letter from Paul and they find there in the details a recipe that I think you and I could lean in today several thousand years later, but truth is truth no matter the day and age. And so let's lean in Romans chapter five. This says this, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, now I highlighted this for you just to give us a reminder of what this recipe is rooted in. This recipe is not rooted in now you will do enough to somehow find hope. No, we've been justified, meaning this, it's been made right with God through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's so key for us through whom we have received access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So I'm standing in grace through Jesus Christ at peace with God. Now in light of those things, James, how do I live with hope? Well, it says this, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Okay, pause, don't read ahead. Doesn't that feel good? Most of us who grew up in church or have a relationship with Jesus, we're like, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God? Yes and amen, brother. Let's go home. I'm ready, right? We boast in the hope of the glory of God. This sounds amazing. But then Paul continues, not only so, but we also glory in our, yeah, I don't want to say it either, <laughs> our sufferings. No, Paul, I'll boast in the hope of the glory of God. The early church, they can boast in their sufferings. We boast in our sufferings. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And this hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts. How? Through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Oh, look at, look at the power and recipe of this verse. I want you to cling to this thing. I want you to really wrestle with this today. Why? Because Paul is letting us know that we've been made right with God. He gives us a recipe for hope and then reminds us this hope will not put us to shame. It will not disappoint because of the power of God's spirit, his Holy Spirit in our lives. Oh, what are some of the feelings or tensions that we face personally and culturally? I think some of the reasons that we find ourselves needing hope, number one, we feel restless, restless. Now I'm not talking about rest in the sense of, oh, I just need a nap. No, I'm saying restless, not just sleep that I need, but it's actually more rest. Like what does it mean to actually be at rest in my soul? You know what I'm talking about. You ever had that opportunity? You're like, okay, it's Friday night. I'm going to bed at 735. And some of you are like, no, you just wait till you get old like us, okay? You look forward to the end of the day more than the beginning. You're like, I can't wait. I can't wait to sleep. You're like, okay, I'm taking two melatonin tonight. It's gonna get crazy, you know? <laughs> Sleeping in till like 8.45 tomorrow. But guess what? You wake up the next day and you're like, I'm still tired because it's not your body that needs rest. It's your soul. So we'd like to have a recipe that's not just for our physical body, but it's actually for our soul. Number two is you feel purposeless. What does that mean? Well, it isn't more work, but it's valued work that I need. James, I want to be a part of something that has meaning or value. We're in a season in this day and age, post COVID is known as the great resignation. People from all over the country are quitting their jobs. They're relocating. They're finding other places of work and other uh, careers. Why? Not because they just hated what they used to do, but they're looking for value or meaning. They're looking for something external to do something internal that can only be accomplished through the eternal. 
Or number three, feel hopeless. It isn't happier now, but a hope that things can get better. Listen, I wish it could be as simple as, you know, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Oh, that's great. I have a church version of this song. I'll share it with you real quick. It goes, if you're happy and you know it, tell your face. If you're happy and you know it, tell your face. (laughs) I don't want to be a part of the chosen frozen, right? So it's not just happy right now, because guess what? Happy is a feeling and that feeling is fleeting. I don't want to chase happy. Because guess what? This book does not guarantee me the right to happiness. What it does guarantee me is the right to hope. But what does hope look like? In the here and now, that is also connected to the then and there. I want to give you a couple of ingredients from Paul's recipe that I think are so key for us. You ready? All right, number one is simply this. Select suffering. You're like, nope, that's where you can wrap this message up. We'll take Pastor Jason back next week. Thanks so much, right? (laughs) Select suffering. Suffering, why? Because Paul said we don't only boast in the hope of the glory of God, but we also glory in our sufferings. Oh, this this is wild to me. It feels ironic in our day and age. Why? Because we want to glory in our successes. Don't we? How are things going? Man, so good. Got a bonus, a raise, kids may eight on roll. Isn't that awesome? Like, yeah, man, but like, how are you doing? Pfft, any better, and this is the craziest phrase, it gets me every time, any better I'd be dead. What? <laughs> that is a horrible way to look at being better. But it's this idea, I wanna tell everybody about my strengths. Do you know there's no roadmap or guarantee for success in the scriptures? And yet it seems to be what we're all chasing, that if someday I get my family together, if I get my job together, if I get my finances together, then I will be able to tell everybody, look what God did. Look, isn't God awesome? Everything that I wanted, I've gotten. And it's like, whoa, wait, that seems more selfish than spiritual. What if it isn't that we only glory in our successes? What if it's also to boast in our sufferings? And James, I don't like that idea of suffering or pain. Neither do I, but I do need for us to recognize that this isn't just wisdom from Paul, it's wisdom from God. And it actually aligns with the one we claim to follow for those of us who claim to be Christians. Jesus said, in this world, you will have all success and happiness and never have any problems. I wish. (laughs) In this world, you will have trouble. Eh. James, this is the worst hope-filled message on hope I've ever heard. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. See, it's not just that we suffer. We have to pause and recognize that God did not send suffering. Maybe you grew up around church or as a child, you heard cute phrases that could have been written on Hallmark cards, but they caused more pain than they did bring purpose. Things like, sorry that you lost that loved one. God needed another angel. No friend. It wasn't that God robbed something from you. Suffering is a result of a broken planet. A broken planet and often broken people. Suffering is not for us, but God will use suffering. Why did I say select suffering? Because you actually get a choice at whether or not you choose to endure in suffering, choose to glory in suffering. You'll get it either way, but when I choose it, I allow God to use it. See, when I select it, I can actually surrender it. I can go to God and go, in this season of suffering, I submit and surrender this back to you because I know that you're God and I'm not. I know that in my weakness, 
you show yourself strong. And for those of us who claim to follow Jesus, we often want a message. We want a message, but we don't want to deal with any mess. We want a testimony. Scripture says you overcome by the blood of the lamb, meaning the sacrifice of Jesus and the word of our testimony. We want a testimony. You're like, James, yes. But we don't want the test. See, for us to truly live differently than the world around us, for us truly to gain the recognition that something is different about us isn't just that we suffer. Our planet has been and is suffering from the human condition, human brokenness. But it is how we suffer that brings a testament to Christ's strength in our lives. Uh, I want to remind you, God doesn't send it, but he does use it. How do I know that? From Romans chapter eight, it says this. And we know that in all things. Okay. I know it's the 1115 on Sunday morning. Some of you, you're still waking up or sleeping something off, but, uh, and we know that I want you to say it with me in, in what things? No, James in the good things. Come on. Blessed be the name of our Lord. No, no, no. In all things. Listen, if he can work in all things, then it is my responsibility to relinquish all things. Oh, the good and the bad that I submit them both at the feet of my savior and say, God, can you do something with this? And this is the beautiful part in all things. God works. No, he doesn't have to work anything that he sends, but we know that a good God sends good things. So suffering isn't his divine plan, but it is part of a broken planet. And he says, I'll work in all things. Why? For the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Oh, that's good news for us. Now, when I glory in my sufferings, it's not simply because I'm suffering and I go, this is really hard and it really hurts. Yay. No, I go, this is really hard. And it's not just God, will you get me out of this? God, thanks. You're actually in this with me. I put a resume of Paul's sufferings in your outline. You can read it from second Corinthians. It tells you how many times you received lashes, stoned, beaten, shipwrecked. That's Paul's resume. I wonder what your resume is. What are the sufferings that you've gone through in life that you went through it, but if you're honest, you haven't looked back at the strength of God in it. I know it's easy sometimes to sit there and have opinions about someone who stands here like, well, you don't know what it's like. Uh, recently, my wife and I uh, got a report from the doctor about our oldest son, Braxton. Braxton, if you've met him, he's one of the most energetic and incredible kids. I mean, he, he's just, he's way too smart for his own age. He asks way too many questions about things he should never even know about, but he's that smart, right? And we got a doctor's report after a routine eye checkup that what we thought was a misalignment in vision or something that had caused a blurriness. We really thought we were making progress. We had been doing things that the doctors had told us like patching the eye, updating the prescription, only to find out several weeks ago that what we were actually facing is a neurological issue. I remember my wife calling me on the phone and I could hear in her voice the, oh man, this is another season. There was also a sense and a tone on the voice though of courage, of strength. Not just that we had it all together or that we could figure it out, far from it. But it was seasons of previous sufferings that give us confident how to endure in this one. And what do I mean by that? Well, I mean, I have to go back all the way to when we first wanted to have a family and start having kids. And we struggled with infertility for several years. Then God worked through that 
And we have Braxton and Grayson. Or how when Braxton's eye issue first came about, they thought it was cancer behind his eye. And we had confidence in God and in his will and plan. And we endured in that season. It is when we glory in our sufferings that we are actually glorying in the strength of God. So every time life or brokenness or this planet or situations or circumstances misalign with the good of God, I don't question the goodness of God because of a broken planet. I run to him because I know I need him and I need him now. Oh, the goodness of sufferings, the blessing of sufferings is that I can't get through it in my own strength. And no matter how spiritual I feel or don't, that I still need a good God, even in broken circumstances. It's an ingredient none of us would choose. Suffering. As a matter of fact, uh, my wife is such a good cook. I'm a horrible cook. My wife is amazing. Um, I I do cook two things well. Uh, One, toast. And two, don't laugh at my abilities. I was proud of that, sir. Uh, Secondly, scrambled eggs. Okay. Uh, I have been known to burn both, but I do enjoy making them. All right. But my wife, my wife could cook anything. This woman is incredible. Like we dream stuff up every Christmas. Like baby, I want a cinnamon roll wrapped in bacon with sausage, some spinach. So I think it's healthy and I want it to taste good. She's like, boom. And there it is. It's crazy. But the thing that she makes that I love the most is cheesecake. I mean, I just felt the presence of God sit down in this place just remembering. She doesn't make any cheesecake. Her cheesecake is so sweet. It has this cream across the top. It's thick. Oh, every bite is like a taste of heaven. The crust is a praline, not praline, praline crust. It's like a cookie meets cheesecake. It's amazing. You want some right now. It's only about 1,700 calories a slice. It is incredible. But one day I made the mistake of going in the kitchen while my wife was cooking my cheesecake because she does this every Father's Day and every birthday. It is my favorite dessert. And so I go into the kitchen. I want to see how does she do what she does. And I go in there and I see on the counter cream cheese. I see sugar, all good stuff. And then I see it, sour cream. I said, baby, it ain't Taco Tuesday. Like, I don't like sour cream. Put the sour cream up. Don't put sour cream in my cheesecake. Baby, sour cream's been in your cheesecake every time I've been. No, it hasn't. I would taste sour cream. Baby, it belongs to the cheesecake. I said, okay, baby, I trust you. So I went to Google and I asked Google, why is my wife putting sour cream in my cheesecake? Don't judge me. And the good news of the gospel of Google told me that the reason my wife puts sour cream in the cheesecake is so that the tart flavor accentuates the sweetness of the cheesecake. You're like, duh. (laughs) But it reminded me of this passage. That when I go through sufferings, one of the blessings, if I may use that term, of suffering is that I am reminded of how good God is. Oh, in a season where I feel sick, I need a healer. In a season where it seems impossible, I need a way maker. In a season where it feels like everything around me is a lie, I need the one who is consistent and faithful yesterday, today, and forever. I'm thankful for a little bit of sour cream because it reminds me of how sweet God is. I know, I know, I know. You're like, James, 
you got to settle down about this cheesecake. I do believe that if you and I can develop a theology, a belief about God in suffering, the world around us will look at us differently. Not because we have it together, but because the one we cling to when we don't. The second thing is this, is you got to mix with perseverance. You got to mix with perseverance. What do you mean by that, James? Well, it said, and not only so, we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance. Listen, you don't have to, I've never persevered my way through a pint of Ben and Jerry's. I've never persevered my way through eating multiple slices of my wife's cheesecake. You persevere through pain. Life will be hard, but we can do hard things when we know we have a holy God that is near. Perseverance. I also love that perseverance gives us an indicator and an inclination that what is won't last always. What is won't last always. So I can go through a storm or a season of suffering recognizing that I persevere through this. What is perseverance? Perseverance is consistently doing something that will give me credibility. I'm gonna be consistent in my suffering, which means when you ask me today, is God good? Yes. If I get a bad doctor's report tomorrow, is God still good? Yes. My answer doesn't change on the external because I'm clinging to something that's eternal. If my perspective is eternal, I can go through the momentary as I cling to the one who will last forever. I thought of recently on, uh, on a flight, I was with my friend Mike and we were flying out of Detroit. We're flying out of Detroit and the pilot comes on. Good evening, passengers. I always love when we get an update from the pilot. It just feels like, man, thanks so much. Thanks for checking in, you know? Bob, we've never met, but thanks, you know? He gives us the weather outlook and then Bob told us this. I just want to prepare you guys because there will be some rough air on this flight. Now, when I was growing up, they didn't call it rough air. That's such a cute term, rough air. It was called turbulence. <laughs> And you knew what turbulence meant. It meant hold the armrest and pray to the God of heavens that you make it through. He said, there will be some rough air, but he gave us a little bit of a time frame. We're going to make it through it. And I got to tell you, I, I was with Mike and Mike doesn't fly that much. And he's never been farther west than Tennessee. And so I already know this is a little bit of an experience for him. And when the pilot said that, I just laughed and looked at him. I was like, that's funny, you know. And um, We went through about 15 minutes of that turbulence and or rough air and Mike popped in his AirPods and I looked down and he's just playing Maverick City music. He's just, he's like, God, I need you. I need you now. And both of us were a little nervous. I actually got internally pretty scared, but I remember something my dad had always told me. He told me, look at the people around you who look like they fly all the time. If they're not worried, you don't need to be either. I, I learned two truths from that trip that I think also apply to our recipe for hope today. One is this, recognize that what Paul gives us as a prescription or as a recipe is this, suffering doesn't last forever. Even if in this life, scripture tells us that one day in heaven, he'll wipe away every tear from our eye. What good news that suffering isn't forever, so I can endure, I can be consistent. Also, we should be the people on the, on the flight who have flown often, who have endured through sufferings and know that God is consistent. When we do that, we're a testament to those around us of how to persevere even in pain. So you gotta mix with perseverance. The third thing is simply this, complete your character. And not only so, we glory in our sufferings because suffering produces perseverance and perseverance, character. 
I think of character as this moment after you've selected the ingredients, after you've gotten the whisk out and you're whisking, your arms getting tired and you've got everything together, you've persevered. The character portion of this recipe is where you actually have to let it cook. This is the point where everything gets baked in. This is the moment where you take all of this and you have to place it in the oven. Oh, it's where character's formed. It's where it's completed. It's where it gets its structure. It's where it goes from soup <laughs> to cake, where it actually begins to stand on its own. I hate the oven part. Oh man, I will check that thing. You don't know why? Because I can smell it in the house. You know, I'm just like, mmm, smells like praline and cheesecake. Do it, Lord. <laughs> I have to put on worship music while it's happening. I often put on the, I'm gonna wait on you, you know, the cheesecake. <laughs> I gotta wait. I like to go in and turn the light on and turn it off. And my wife would tell me, just leave it alone. Just trust the, trust the process. If we want the product, we have to go through the process. Character is the process of patiently waiting. It's going, I'll go through the suffering and I'll persevere. And in the waiting period, I will learn some things about God's character that help me refine mine. Oh, it's, it's where things begin to mesh together. It's where I can look back on suffering and also see God's strength. It's where I can persevere and realize that it's not by might nor by power, but it's actually by his spirit that I persevered. It's in the season of character in the waiting where I pause my feet long enough for my soul and heart to catch up to the understanding that God is good. It's also in that waiting period that I'm able to get an outlook on other people. I'm able to more compassionately engage with them. I stopped judging how they endured a season of suffering. Why? Because I'm reminded that only God could have gotten me through that season. Only God's character. It develops in me compassion and kindness, grace and mercy, understanding. It develops in me joy. Ultimately, what it develops in me is hope. Not only so we, we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. The recipe for hope doesn't start how I want, but it does end. It ends with this product, this understanding that God is my only hope. It's not like this with most, most recipes, but with God's recipe for hope, I think you can actually reverse it. I think today, for some of you who are kicking the tires of faith, you may actually be encountering hope for the first time, the hope that there's a God who can refine your character, that you can't change you, you can't change the people around you, but that God can come in and make all things new. So maybe it's his hope that changes your character. It is that change in character that allows you to persevere. You're not up one day and down the next, that you're consistent. And that consistency brings credibility to the Christ you claim to follow. And because of that consistency, you can endure hard things. You can go through a season of suffering. So whether you're in a season of suffering and you have to persevere or today you're finding hope, I want you to know this. You are either leaving suffering or you're headed towards it. But our hope is not found internally 
or externally. Our hope is in the eternal. That the God of heaven is not waiting for us then and there, but he is intimately acquainted with us here and now. I would challenge you to hold on to hope today. Instead, I wanna remind you that this week, it's hope that is holding on to you. I'm gonna ask you all across this room, on site and online, if you would take just a moment and close your eyes and bow your heads. It's not just about information or inspiration, but it's truly the connection of application that transforms our lives. I wanna give you an opportunity to respond today. Today, for the first time, or first time in a long time, some of you are making a decision to follow Jesus. You recognize today that the difference in your life, the deciding factor is making this decision to follow Jesus. You know, James, I didn't know that God could come through these seasons of suffering and, and help me endure. I, I've been running from him because of pain. I wanna run to him today. If that's you, I'm gonna ask you right where you are. On the count of three, slip your hand up, you put it right back down. I won't stand you up. I'm not gonna have you yell out your worst sin. I simply wanna pray a prayer with you. If that's you, on the count of three, I'm gonna ask you just to slip your hand up, say yes to following Jesus. One, two, three, right where you're at. Yeah, I see ya. Yeah. I'm gonna pray for you in just a moment. There's a second group of people here and you're followers of Jesus. But if you're really authentic and honest today, you say, James, I have not suffered well. In seasons of suffering, I've looked more like those outside the church than what I claim to believe inside the church today. I wanna shift my perspective on suffering and I wanna give God glory in the seasons I choose and the seasons I don't. I wanna pray for you. If that's you, on the count of three, just slip your hand up and I'm gonna pray. Ready? One, two, three, right where you're at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What courage, what boldness, I see you. Father God, thank you. Thank you for Jesus who loved us enough to come and give his life to reconcile us back to you. That you are not bound by the brokenness of this planet or the brokenness of our humanity. That you have the power to intercede and supersede all of those things. I pray today for my friends who are choosing to trust for the first time or first time in a long time, trust you in a relationship with you. I pray today we begin a brand new day for them. They would turn their back on their old life, old decisions, selfish desires and selfish wants and lean into your grace. I pray they would root themselves in a local church and be encouraged by people around them as they journey with you. And for my friends who claim to follow you, I pray today as they submit and surrender their suffering to you, that they would find the truths of the Psalm that you are near to the brokenhearted and you bind up their wounds. I'm thankful that you are not a God who dismisses our pain, but you divinely intervene. And I pray they would know the nearness of your presence today. And as they suffer well, would they find an eternal hope? And would they live it in such a way that those around them ask why? We thank you for it. In the name above every name, in the name of our hope and liberating King, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you help me celebrate all those who made decisions today? Come on.